and you're sitting at home, enjoying a nice meal and a nice conversation. It's you and your whole family is there, your closest friends. You're on your best behavior because you're hosting someone very important. And I was trying to think of who that would be for you, and the best I could think of was your pastor. <laughs> but you've done a thorough cleaning of your house. It's the cleanest that you've ever seen it. You've even dusted behind things on the shelf. And if you know me, you know I don't dust behind things, let alone things in front. You take out your fine china, your best dishes, you make your favorite meal, and everything seems to be going just right. When the meal's done, you go into the living room and you relax and you're playing a game, just enjoying one another's company. And all of a sudden, Daisy comes. Daisy. Everybody knows Daisy. Daisy is the lady who cleans out pig pens for a living. She does a great job of it. But the only problem is since she's so busy doing that, and since she's just going to get dirty the next day, she rarely takes care of herself. And so she comes in covered head to toe with filth, with stuff that you find in a pig pen. And you're hoping maybe my guests won't see. Maybe they won't see. And you're, you're looking and she steps in on your freshly shampooed white carpet, leaving footprints. Your freshly shampooed white carpet is now freshly pooed again, only not shampoo. <laughs> and she comes to the feet of your guest and she makes her presence known. And you ask yourself, what in the world is happening? What's going on? It was such a great evening. Everything is ruined. My carpet is ruined. And you wonder, how can this guy be letting this happen? Do you see what's happening? Doesn't he see how dirty she is? How can he let her touch him? If you put yourself in the situation, you've got an idea of what it might have been like to be Simon in this story. This morning, we're going to do a little mind reading. We're going to try and get inside the heads of three people here. The head of Simon, which we've kind of already entered into, the head of Jesus, and the head of the sinner. So follow along with me as we read the thoughts and the actions and the words of Simon, Jesus, and the sinner. From Luke 7, 36 through 50. And again, I'd invite you to stand if you are able for this. Luke 7, 36 through 50. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who, is, who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, and that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, 
But he who is forgiven little loves little. And then he said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father God, these are your words. Your word is truth. Lord, we pray that you would sanctify us in your truth this morning. Open up our hearts to receive the message that you have for us. Lord, pierce our hearts with your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first mind that we look into is, is Simon's, and I've already got you ready to enter into his mind. Because the story at the beginning was to get you to identify with Simon. So what do we know about Simon? Our text says that he is a Pharisee. And being a Pharisee, remember how I emphasized how clean you had gotten your house in the beginning? Pharisees' lives were all about being clean. Being above defilement, whether it was physical or spiritual, they did everything in order to be clean. And he went to great extents to keep himself from sin, to keep himself from being defiled. It was his utmost priority in life, to stay clean. Pharisees didn't eat with sinners. Pharisees didn't invite sinners into their home. Pharisees didn't associate with sinners. If they were walking down a road, they would turn and go the other way, not to make themselves defiled. And yet here in our story, we see this Pharisee is confronted by a sinner. All of a sudden, of all people, a sinner walks in, and we aren't given a description of the sin of this woman. It just identifies her as a sinner. And so I'm not going to identify what kind of sin she was in, but what we know is that she was identified as a sinner. What we know is that people in the town and the city knew her as a sinner. She didn't have a name anymore. She was a sinner. How would you like to go to the grocery store, pick up some things for dinner, and anyone who was willing to talk to you would say, oh, hey, sinner, how's it going today? No longer a name, just a sinner. And here, she comes into his house. And as he watches the events unravel before his eyes, his mind starts turning. I've never had a sinner in my house before. What does Jesus think of me now? Hopefully he doesn't hold this against me. I've gone to such great lengths. All my life I've been clean. And all my life I've avoided sin. Why is he letting her touch him? I thought Jesus was a prophet. But here, if Jesus is a prophet, why? He knows who this woman is. He knows what this woman has done, and yet still he is letting her touch him. Jesus can't be a prophet. I thought I was inviting a prophet for dinner. And now, not only do I not have a prophet, but I have a sinner in my home. Woe is me. And at this point, Simon's thoughts are interrupted. And Jesus comes to Simon and says, Simon, I have something to say to you. You've got to wonder what Simon's thinking. What's Jesus going to say to me? How could you dare let this woman come into your home? Maybe he'll thank me for having him over for dinner. Maybe he'll thank me for being willing to give up of my schedule so Jesus can come and spend time with me. I better ask him what he wants. Go ahead, teacher. Say it. Jesus responds with a little story for him and asks him a question. Which of them will love more? Is Jesus trying to trick me? The question seems obvious. If I've been forgiven a debt of $500 versus $50, I think I'm going to be a little more thankful and, and a little more loving if it was the greater sin. Yeah, I'll go with that answer. And so he tells Jesus, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. 
And he gets the assurance that he was hoping for. And he says, silly me, why did I ever doubt myself? I'm a Pharisee, I know the answers. And he begins to pat himself on the back. And now let's pause the story here and let's switch heads for a while. Let's enter into the mind of Christ. Jesus enters into Simon's house. And he comes through the doorway and he's looking for the bowl to wash his feet in and there's no water. Maybe I got here a little early. Maybe he wasn't ready for me. Okay. Simon comes to greet him and Jesus leaves his head like this waiting for the customary kiss of greeting. No kiss. Maybe Simon has a cold and he's not wanting to share that with me. That's okay, thanks. And so he bows his head, waiting for the anointing of oil again, another way to invite your guests in, another way to show honor to your guest. No oil. If baseball would have been invented, this would have been three strikes and Simon would have been out without even a swing. Jesus continues on in. He goes to the table and he relaxes at the table and starts to eat and all of a sudden, He hears something. All of a sudden, he feels something on his feet, and he looks back, and he sees a woman sobbing, crying at his feet. She's wiping his feet with her hair, and it doesn't stop. She keeps on crying, and now she's kissing his feet. And what's that that she has in her hands? It's a vial of something. What is it? It breaks open. He smells it. Oh, it's perfume. She's pouring perfume over my feet. Jesus takes his eyes off the woman and looks at Simon says, Simon, I've got a story for you. A moneylender had two debtors, owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to pay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? When they were unable to pay, both of these people didn't have a chance at all to repay this person. Both of them were unable. Which one would love him more? Simon answers the right answer, and Jesus is thinking, okay, maybe he'll put two and two together and realize that I'm not just talking about a random story, but I am talking about this right in front of his face. And the confused look on Simon's face reveals that he is not connecting the dots. And so Jesus goes ahead and starts to explain this story some more. Simon, you see this woman? No, Simon, you, you don't see this woman. You see her as a sinner. You don't see this woman. Everyone knows her to be a sinner. Everyone identifies her as a sinner. And that's why you're so appalled right now. But Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see what she is doing for me? Remember when I came in? You didn't wash my feet. She's continuing to wash my feet with her tears. You didn't kiss me on the cheek. She's kissing my feet. She's still doing it. You didn't anoint my head with oil, and here she's spending this this expensive perfume on my feet. Simon, do you see this woman? Her sins are forgiven. It's because she knows who I am. You see her as a sinner. Simon, I see her as forgiven. This is who she is. She is no longer the sinner Go back to Simon, enter into his mind and the mind of the other Pharisees sitting around the table. Rather than realizing their own lack of love, rather than putting this story to their own lives and say, how much do I love Jesus? Instead, they look back to Jesus and they say, how can he forgive sins? Who is this man? Who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And they conclude Jesus can't be a prophet. And in so doing, they cut themselves off from the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has come to bring them. 
Jesus, God in the flesh, is eating and dining and in their presence right now. And rather than realizing who is with them, they're turning their backs on him and saying, he can't be who he says he is. And they harden their hearts even further. There's still one more mind to read in this story. So let's get into the woman's head. She hears that Jesus is in her city. She's heard great things about him, and now he's here. He's in my city. And I ask around, and I find out where he is. He's in Simon's house. Okay, I'm going to go home and get this perfume that I've been saving for a great occasion, and I'm going to bring it with. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Will, will I be allowed in? Should I even enter into this Pharisee's house? What will Jesus think of me? Will he accept me? Is he really as good as everybody says he is? Does he really forgive sins? Like people say, I know I'm a sinner. I shouldn't go in. I'm not worthy, but I have to. If he truly does forgive sins, and this is where I must go to be forgiven of my sin. She approaches the house, and doubts assail her. Should I go in? What am I doing? What will I say? It doesn't matter. She takes a deep breath, and she enters into Simon's home. She feels the judgment. She feels the weight of the glances of every single Pharisee in the room staring at her with the glances saying, you don't belong here, get out. And she ignores them. She feels the weight of her own sin, and she comes to the feet of Jesus, the one who has come to forgive sin. And she breaks down weeping. She tries to dry his feet with her hair, and it's no use. The tears just keep coming. She anoints them with oil. She kisses them over and over again. And what's that? Jesus is talking. Who is he talking? Oh, he's not talking to me. Never mind. She continues to weep at his feet. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to her. This woman who was only identified as sinner now is receiving attention. What are the words that Jesus says to her? Your sins are forgiven. Sinner, your sins are forgiven. No longer is she to be identified as sinner from here on out, but she is given a new identity in Christ, forgiven. You are forgiven. My sins have been forgiven, Lord. I'm not worthy. Who am I to be forgiven of my sin? And the Savior speaks to her again and says, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And she leaves the house a mess. Puffy eyes, dirty hair, the ugly crying face as she's been weeping at his feet. And she leaves the house in peace. Why? Because Jesus says, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And she says, Jesus, my faith, what do you mean my faith? Haven't you seen what I've done? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what everybody else knows about me? And Jesus doesn't say your actions have saved you. He says your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a powerful story that is. And there's more here in this story than just a woman receiving forgiveness for her sins. But there are lessons for us as well. Some truths that you and I can take away from this sermon. I've got four things, so stick with me for four more points. And the first thing is, we love because we have been forgiven. When Jesus shares this parable with Simon, notice the order of what happens. These people are receiving a debt. And if you've ever borrowed money from people, is that the right word? If you've ever borrowed money from people, it's a good feeling, right? You've got the money that you need, but it comes with a lot of weight. 
Every time that I see Lane after borrowing money for him, I try to avoid him because I know that I have to pay him back and I just am not ready for it yet. There's that guilt that comes. But here the money lender says, don't worry about it. Forget about it. I have canceled out your debt. How much am I going to love the person who forgives me of that debt? And how much more, the greater the debt is. But I don't love the person who gives me money just because he gave me money. I love him because he loved me and forgave me, has forgiven me first. And so as we see this woman in the story who identifies as a sinner, she knows her own sin. That's why she's weeping at Jesus' feet. And that's why she doesn't care what the Pharisees think about her. That's the whole reason why she is here to come and worship at Jesus' feet. If Jesus is who he says he is, then Jesus is the one who has come to forgive me of my sin. We love because he first loved us. Before you and I knew the extent of our sin, we didn't care a lick about who God was or what God had done for us. When we understand that before we came to him, he came to us, that he revealed himself to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died so that you and I can be saved. That when we were still enemies with God, God sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. How much love can we have to offer him? When we understand the gravity of our sin, the depth of our sin, it leads to love for our Savior, for that debt that he has forgiven us. The second thing, at the end of the passage, Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Now some may look at this passage and say, aha, look, this woman has done these things and then she receives forgiveness. So as long as I come to church feeling really bad about my sin and as long as I make a hot mess of myself, I come up to the altar and I'm a weeping mess, then I can find forgiveness of sins. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. He doesn't say your actions have saved you. And we look and say, well, what faith? What faith does this woman have? We don't see her actions. We see her actions. We don't see her faith. And yet, where does this woman go? She goes to the place where she knows she is unwelcome. And why does she go to this place? Because of who's there. Jesus is there. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who has come to save sinners. Jesus is the one who has come to forgive sin. And this woman knows that I am a sinner. I must go to Jesus. He will forgive me of my sin. If anybody can, he can. The sinner felt her sin. She knew her own unworthiness. And yet for some reason she still comes to the Son of God. Why? Because she believed he can. Because she believed he does take away sin. Her faith is that Jesus forgives sinners. Her faith is that Jesus can forgive me. And this is the faith that saves. Jesus' last words to the woman are, go in peace. Paul writes in Romans, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ comes this peace. We have been justified with God. We are at peace with God. No longer enemies to him anymore. No longer children of wrath, but we are children of God, heirs of eternal salvation, heirs of heaven with Christ. We have peace with God, knowing that you stand in Christ, that you are saved by him, no longer enemies, but clothed in his righteousness. What amazing grace this is that is extended to her. The third thing, Christ forgives sins. Christ is the one who forgives sins. In this story, we find the source of forgiveness of sins. It's Jesus Christ. It's not this woman's actions, but it's Christ who pronounces that forgiveness of sin. 
He's the one who can and does forgive us of all of our sins. Jesus, God incarnate, God made flesh. He took on flesh for this very reason, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, to suffer at the hands of sinners so that he can forgive you of your sin. The one who came to be wounded for our transgressions so that you and I can be healed. And finally, the fourth thing in this story, we also see a group of people who remain in their sin. The Pharisees, rather than bringing their own sins to Jesus, instead they question his authority to forgive sin. Rather than recognizing their own sin, they're busy counting out the sins of others and avoiding other people. Simon expects to be rewarded for his hospitality. He expects Jesus to thank him for all the things that he has done for him. And yet, who does Simon hear receives these words? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's not Simon. Even though he's cleaned his house, even though he's invited Jesus into his home, it's this sinner. What a slap in the face that must have been for Simon. How upset he would have been to hear her faith has saved her. Have you seen her, Jesus? What do you mean her faith? Haven't you seen my faith? I've been in the temple day in and day out. I've kept myself clean over and over again. Doesn't my, safe, my faith save me? His faith, as devout as he was, being a Pharisee and all, had not saved him. Because his faith was not in Jesus Christ. His faith was in himself. And so as the sermon ends, where is your heart today? Is it so busy counting the sins of others that it's not looking at its own sins? Or maybe it's doubting that Jesus actually has the authority and the power to forgive sins. Maybe he can forgive sins of the people who've grown up in church all of their lives. Or maybe he can forgive sins of those who know how to say John 3.16 without looking. But Jesus, I don't even know how to look up a Bible verse. Can he forgive my sin? Jesus has come to forgive all sins. Not just those of the people who go to church, but for those who come to him and repent and ask for forgiveness. For those in faith who know that Jesus is the one who forgives sins and they come to him, he forgives them of all sin, of all unrighteousness. There's no sin too bad that Christ can't forgive. Or is your heart today clinging to the love of Jesus, of what he has been through for your behalf? knowing that we have an insurmountable debt owed to God and Christ came, God in the flesh came to take that debt away from us, to forgive us of all of our sins. Is your heart opening up and bearing all at the feet of the Savior, saying, Jesus, this is what I've done. Forgive me, please. Is your heart ready to hear the words of Christ? Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of Christ today. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for these beautiful promises that you give to us, Lord. Our faith has saved us. The faith that holds on to you, the faith that holds on to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who has come to accomplish forgiveness for us, the one who has come to seek and to save sinners, Lord, the one who has come to save me. Lord, as we grab onto these promises of your word through faith, help us also to hold on to these promises of your word through faith that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. Lord, help us to live our lives not counting trespasses against others, Lord, 
but to share with other people where forgiveness of sins is found. Thank you, Father, for giving us new identities. No longer are we identified as sinner, but we are identified as child of God, forgiven. Thank you, and we praise you for that, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.